What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Toronto the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. The Jets are 5-2, baby. That's all that matters today to me. I don't care about anything else. Steven, how you feeling, man? How's it going? Feels good to be 5-2. I mean, listen, you, you ask yourself, you know, at what cost? Obviously, the... Uh, the Brees and AVT injuries, they, they take the wind out of your sails a little bit, but you got to feel good after seven weeks. And we were just talking before the show. Anyone told you that after seven weeks, the Jets would be five and two and tied with the Chiefs and better than Tom Brady and the Bucks? Uh, would you have believed them? Like, what would you have thought? And it's just, it's one of those things, man. They're five and two. And when Zach is back, they're four and oh, at, you know, with Zach as a starter, like, be happy. It's a fun time, man. We're actually I, – I tweeted it out the other night, too. You see the preview for the uh, the Bucks-Ravens Thursday night game coming up, and I'm thinking, oh, great, I can't wait to watch uh, Baltimore whoop up on them. But then I had to stop myself. I'm like, shit, I got to I gotta actually consider uh, rooting for the Bucks here just for playoff <laughs> positioning and, and, and the standings in the AFC. So it's a good time, man. Five and two, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it, you know, that, that game was uh, a little bit more on the boring side, but, hey – a win is a win, man. You can take them any way you get them. An ugly win is still a win. And uh, we're still not to the point where we can complain about how we get wins, man. Just be happy as they come. Yeah, we'll definitely unpack that after we talk a little <laughs> about this game because I know it's been a big discourse and a lot of conversations surrounding the quarterback. But let's just talk, start with the game. I mean, obviously, like you said, ugly, 16-9. to 9. It was like watching like, you know, like 70s football or 60s football when they were – was not a lot of passing – um, I know, obviously, it was backup quarterback for Denver, and obviously, this was Zach's fourth start back. Um, overall, though, I mean, I think the Jets kind of played the game that I expected. Everyone kind of knew that Denver's defense, specifically the pass defense, is really good. I mean, Pat Sertain, you can make the case, is the best corner in football. I know, obviously, we were going to be biased towards Sauce, but I think Pat Sertain might be better. Um, I, obviously they have a lot of good players. They have Justin Simmons and they have some guys, you know, along the defensive line, like a, like a Bradley Chubb and whatnot. So wasn't overly surprised because, you know, the offensive line still is, you know, not the official starting offensive line that we expected going into the year. Um, just shame about ABT. Cause you know, you could argue he's been the best player on the team through, you know, seven games. Um, you never want to see that, but I, I it was it sucks because, like you said, Brees goes down after having one of the most electric runs we've seen the Jets running back have in quite some time, and you felt like he was headed towards a huge day because he ended the game with like only four carries for seventy two yards. Mm-hmm. But you gotta you gotta give the coaching staff a lot of credit keeping it together, not doing you know silly things. I I think that they're continuing to grow week over week. I think you're seeing uh, Salah getting smarter with how he's managing the clock. You're seeing um, just like you're not seeing those miscommunications that we were seeing on the back end as much. Um, but, yeah, it's it's hard to really complain when you win. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not I know that we're going to get into this more, but um, what was your overall thoughts about the game? I mean, I think uh, the biggest takeaway for me is that we probably all owe Jeff Ulbrich an apology. Yes, he has coached his ass off uh, really since that Cincinnati game. And the defense has stepped up in, in such a big way, and they really just have playmakers at every level, which is it's it's really great to see. And I said it on the show last week with Joe that it's nice now that you just you feel like the Jets just have the horses, they have the guys, they have difference makers uh, across the board that really set them over the top. Where even if things aren't going their way, you kind of just feel like our roster is good enough to compete and outplay with with and outplay other rosters. 
So the, the biggest takeaway is really how the defense looked. And when you really look at it, Sauce and DJ Reed are just amazing. They are playing mm-hmm. out of their minds right now. They are, I think, easily a top five corner duo in the NFL. Top if not, three. If not top three, three, top three, and maybe the top. Um, but then what's really nice is that the entire secondary is rounding out very nicely, where all the bashing we did of LaMarcus Joyner, um, how Jordan Whitehead kind of looked in the early part of the season after he got dinged up a little bit in week one was concerning to say the least, but they've really bounced back nicely. And LaMarcus Joyner's kind of turned into a nice little ball hawk. He's making plays on the ball. Um, and Jordan Whitehead is making a lot of plays too. And it just seems like, whereas in years past, there were a lot of easy yards given up on the Jets defense where, you know, last year we were complaining, the guys were running open by 10, 15 yards, seemed like no one was in the area. And this year that just isn't the case. And you just feel confident with the guys that they have on this defense that they're going to make plays. And it just feels like a good balance um, of playmakers really at every level where you feel confident in the defensive line. You feel really confident now that they're all healthy again, CJ Mosley, Quan Alexander, who has been nothing short of fantastic in his tenure with the jets, Quincy Williams bouncing back from what looked like a really serious injury very quickly. Um, And then the back end, like I just talked about, and it's uh so the story to me was really the defense holding Denver to nine points, albeit behind a, a backup quarterback. We saw Brett Rippon, um, you know, two years ago, uh, beat us and put up 37, I think. So uh, just good to feel feel really good about that defense and how they performed to gut out a, a tough win in a hostile environment. Yeah, it's never an easy place to, to win any games. The altitude is obviously a big factor, crazy fan base. I mean, look, the Jets have won in Green Bay. They've won in Pittsburgh. And they've won it um, in Denver. And honestly, Cleveland's a tough place to play, too, is, you know, mm-hmm. historically they haven't been the best franchise, but, like, it's a passionate fan base who, you know, who shows out and everything, you know, undefeated on the road. I, I, I never I never would have thought, you know, we're sitting here on October 25th, 2022, that this team would be undefeated on the road at this point. Like, no that's way. just no way. You're lying no to yourself. You said that. Yeah. But, um, you know, the defense is, is in a legit top five unit. I don't know if they're the number one defense. I think Denver's actually really good as well. And I, mm-hmm. I know there's some good defenses around the league, but this defense is serious. I mean, they, they rank well, you know, just from a statistical standpoint, like all the analytics backup is like a really strong unit. Um, I think in DVOA, they're like, I want to say like 12th or something like that. Maybe mm-hmm. I, I, it could even be higher. I don't know. I have to, yeah. I have to check that, but you got to you got to like it, especially because they only had one sack. Uh, Carl Lawson obviously had that nice play, but they were always getting home. That was the thing. They always made Rippon's life uncomfortable, specifically Quentin Williams, who he got to him and then it forced that Lamarcus Joyner interception. Who seems like he's ever since week one when he just got cooked, he's been getting interception all the time, which is yeah. awesome to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, that defense is great. But uh, I do want to shift the attention to the offense. I know. Um, Brees going down was tough and they weren't getting as effective of a run game as we um, had seen because, you know, Brees is obviously by far the best running back on the roster. I think Michael Carter filled in nicely. I think Ty Johnson was a pleasant surprise. I know we've been critical of him on this show, you know, going back to last year, but I felt like with the opportunities that he had on Sunday, I think he actually did a pretty good job. Um, Obviously the past game has not been what we had hoped it would be in year two of Zach Wilson. So I could understand the frustration from the fan base because, you know, you take a quarterback number two, you're expecting him to be a franchise quarterback. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work immediately. It doesn't always work ever. Like we, as Jeff fans, we have seen a lot of guys taken with high picks. We've seen a lot of guys, you know, that we've tried to develop over time for forever, as long as we've been alive. And it's, it's, it's tough, but 
I think we could shift to it because overall it's just like, you know, we get the defense dominated the game. Specials is great. Greg Zerline, who we thought was another one of those terrible kickers that we signed, money. It's it's truly amazing. He's the best kicker we've had since Folk. And I guess you could throw Jason Myers in there, but he was only here for one year. So I don't really want to give him like, you know, best jet kicker one year and he left us, which probably haunted them up until they found Greg Zerline. So we just want to give him a shout out as well as obviously Braden Mann, who's continuing to prove all of us wrong that he's a good punter. So that's that's all the stuff that I feel like we can cover with the game. I mean, you know, that third a backup quarterback, you kind of expect to win. And the Jets did that. So yeah. I do want to shift the focus to Zach Wilson because this has been a huge topic over the last 24 hours because Jeff fans are not happy with him. And I understand the frustration. I get it. I do. He doesn't look like anything more than like at a below average quarterback to this point. I know he obviously had the comeback in Pittsburgh, which I thought it was really impressive. It was the best he ever looked since he got to the team. But it's and then Miami, he was just like he was okay. He was solid, he managed the game, and he you know he did what he needed to do. And then obviously the the past two games, it's been a little bit ugly. I think the Denver game, I mean uh, the Green Bay game, he was fine. He made a one really nice throw, but kind of just was you know just running the ship. And then obviously he struggled a little bit against Denver. But what are your thoughts on this whole situation about the fan base? You know, kind of like not necessarily turning on Zach. I mean, some people definitely are and feeling like they wasted the pick. But just the fact that he's not, you know, looking the part through the first four starts in his second season. I don't really get it, to, to be honest with you. Uh, I really don't. I mean, I can understand, um, you know, being down after this Denver performance, I guess. But really, this is the one that we all knew was it was going to look like this. I mean, granted, did, did he miss a couple of throws? Absolutely. The opening series going over three, not good. Missing that. You know, the throw to C.G. Uzama uh, that every every quarterback should make, was that, you know, not good missing it? Yeah, obviously. But overall, this Denver defense shuts everybody down. I mean, look at the stats. They Everyone down that they've played or everyone that they've played, they've shut down. So I'm not hitting the panic button. And the my 10,000-foot view is like, you're 5-2. and two. Why are we upset? Like, I, I, I get that for this game, we could probably say that the Jets won in spite of Zach Wilson. But for the other three games that he's been in there, they haven't won in spite of him. They won in Pittsburgh because of him. He was very good against Miami. Like, did he, he didn't light the world on fire, but he did everything that was asked of him. He threw – he had a 10 YPA, threw for 210 yards. He ran for a touchdown. Like, we can't call that a bad game. We can't call that a mediocre game. That was a good game. He didn't light the world on fire, but it was a good game. And against Green Bay, he did exactly what was asked of him and threw 18 passes and beat Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Like, I just don't get where the panic is coming from. I honestly, I mean, you sent me the uh, the snip of, of Chris Sims on, on his podcast, and I, I agree with him 100% wholeheartedly. It feels like a lot of Jets fans, we're just not happy if we're not miserable. Like, I, I don't understand. We're 5-2. and two. Be happy. Like, if, if it continues to look like this, then, yeah, is that time to panic? Absolutely. But this was – we just got done t- talking about how good Denver's defense is. It was a good defense that has done this to multiple QBs this year in a hostile environment, and he got it out of win. And he, he did. Like, yeah, some were bad, but he made some throws, and he escaped the pocket. I mean, that was like the offensive line did not play well. Dwayne Brown, this was his worst game as a Jet, no question. Lincoln they lose, Tomlinson they, literally looked Lincoln like Tomlinson, not awake yeah, on one play. It was, it was unreal. He's got guys in his face, and he's dodging everybody and throwing the ball away. Like, give, give him some credit. And I mean, even go back to the Green Bay game. And I know Chris Sims brought it up. He hits that dime to Corey Davis on the run. Like that sets up the Braxton Berrios touchdown, which then opens the game wide open. 
or, you know, breaks the game wide open. So I really, I don't understand the panic. I don't think it's warranted. I'm a believer in Zach Wilson. I'm not an apologist. I'll call it like I see it and be objective. I can do that. But I really, I don't get where the panic button is really coming from. Like not every game is going to be, he's the reason we won because he threw for 350 and four touchdowns. That's not how he's built. That's not fair to expect that. That's not how this team is built. Yeah, I, that's all well said. So I I agree with a lot of the sentiment and a lot of the stuff that Chris had said, but I, I do want to say this, and I, I have a little bit I want to go into on this. Um, kind of the way I felt about Salah um, after the Ravens game, it's like he stinks until he doesn't because – like, you know, you got to prove yourself before we start giving you the doubt. I completely feel a lot different about Salah than I did, you know, a month and a half ago. So I feel like that was that. He kind of stinks until he doesn't, until he proves himself. However, I want to say this. He's 4-0 as a starter. And I know everyone's like, QB wins is the most overrated thing in the world, which, yeah, a little bit. I get that. He hasn't turned the ball over in three straight games. I think that is a huge improvement for what he was doing as a rookie. And it kind of continues from what he was doing, the, you know, the back half of last year when he returned from injury. Um, he's also, like you said, escaping the pocket. Do you guys really want to watch Joe Flacco just be a complete statue and throw for 300 yards and we lose and score they, nine points? They don't like, win that game with Joe Flacco at quarterback. No, absolutely not. He's no said bone in throw. They, they get, he gets sacked probably like five times. I get it. Zach had that one play that probably we got away with where he, he moved out of the pocket and essentially like threw it away, but it probably was a fumble and he wasn't down by contact. They got away with one. It, it, the, the refs are terrible. They were awful. That whole game, he met ticky tack calls. I mean, you know, they had that huge one. I set up the final field goal because Barrios being held and Zach obviously over shot him high. But then when you see the replay, he, there's nothing really he could do because Barrios was held. But can we just enjoy this? Like, guys, I had to watch Luke Falk play quarterback for the Jets and score zero points as on offense. Like, he did nothing. Like, Zach Wilson has not been good, but he's also not losing them games. Mm-hmm. When he starts single-handedly losing games because he's throwing pick sixes and fumbling the ball, then you can obviously have this conversation about, we got to consider other options going down the road. He's got 10 games left in the season. He's started 17. 17 is one full season as a starter. One full season. Do you know how many guys were bad in their first season and sometimes first two seasons? I can go back to guys like Troy Aikman, Aiton Manning, Josh Allen, who I know everyone's like, don't compare Zach Wilson to Josh Allen. He's a huge outlier. Why not? There's a lot of similarities in the athleticism. I know Josh is bigger and stronger. I totally get that. I, I'm not trying to like compare the two. He wasn't any good as a rookie. And his second year... He did score some touchdowns a lot because he was running a lot. He still wasn't very good. They had a good defense. They leaned on that. That's what the Jets are doing. Why can't Zach Wilson win games? They're probably not winning four straight if Joe Flacco is a quarterback. I don't care what you say. They're not because he was not good. And Zach is limiting the mistakes. I think that they're, they're coaching him to be more conservative. They're coaching him to protect the ball. So say what you want. He hasn't been good, but they're not losing. Stop complaining. I, it's, Chris is right. Like, Jeff Vance have a disease. Like, I don't want to, like, rip the fan base, but it's like, <laughs> shut up. It's like, I'm just tired of it. Like, they're winning. I'm so happy. Like, be upset about Brees. Be upset about ABT. Don't be upset about the quarterback if he's not losing the game for you, which he's not. Oh, yes. I need to get that off my chest because I've been so frustrated. Good. And I get it. I understand it all, but stop it. It's stupid. <laughs> And you could be mad about Elijah Moore, which I would like to go into right now. Steven, what's going on with this guy? 
You know, like I've learned over my 37 years that I can't get so attached to players. Like it's a business. I mean, you look at the roster turnover year over year and not to digress too much, but like even looking back, like you said, you know, okay, Brett Rippon beat us in 2020. Right. And, but you look back at that roster and like how <laughs> there was like two people, two, <laughs> two starters on that team that played against Brett Rippon. Right. So the roster turns over. I mean, that's how it is. So bottom line is I try to get attached to players, but I really like Elijah Moore. I like him a lot as a player. I was excited as hell when we drafted him in the second round. And then after his rookie season, knowing what he was capable of. And I was um, a big believer that he would have a big year this year. I think I knew the jets were going to be run heavy. I didn't know they were going to be this run heavy, but shit it's working. So my thoughts on Elijah are, I like you as a player. I think you have fantastic potential. The timing of requesting a trade because you're not getting the targets that you think you deserve when really you haven't done anything in this league yet is just so far off base and so ill-advised and just childish and immature. And it really rubs me the wrong way. And I know that it has to rub Salah the wrong way as well. I do, however, think that there's a way that they can mend these fences and just move on. I think Sunday was honestly, and I tweeted this out, but I thought Sunday was a good um, way to kind of show that both sides need each other, right? Corey Davis goes down, can't finish the game. Denzel Mims is in. I think Denzel Mims, great blocker, had a great block on that 62 yard run by Brees Hall, but Denzel Mims isn't it. Jeff Smith isn't it. Uh, Barrios, great gadget player, good slot receiver, can can fill in gaps, but he's not the difference maker that Elijah Moore is. I think this showed that Elijah Moore needs the Jets and the Jets offense needs Elijah Moore. So let's just hope they can mend these fences and kind of move on. Um, that was obviously before these really cryptic, weird-ass tweets that he was sending out today, which which kind of just doubled down on the fact that maybe he just is immature and doesn't get it, which concerns me, obviously. Um, but I do still think they can move forward. I think uh, I believe Salah when he says that this team uh, and, and these, these his teammates care about him, um, you know, and they're not going to alienate him and, and that we can press forward. I really hope that is the case because I think that Elijah has a bright future here and I think he's a hell of a player. Um, and I would like to see Mike LaFleur kind of drop some more stuff for him and get him involved early and often. I think you do that and that benefit is twofold because it gets Zach in a groove early. So I'd like to see some of those things, but um, I'd like to see Elijah kind of just put the phone down, get off social media for a bit, focus on just playing and winning. I mean, he's the one that said it. People highlighted, uh, you know, that press conference last year. It was like, hopefully, you know, we get to that point where if I have no catches, but we're winning, then, then I'm happy. Well, you said it, man. Do you really believe it? Because it feels no, like it doesn't. And that's and that's the problem. I get it, man. All receivers are they have a little bit of diva in them. They they want their touches. They want their catches. I get it. Um, but in the midst of a three game now four game winning streak, and you're bitching like that, that's uh, that's a different level of concerning. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to be as nice about it as you just were because I'm pissed. I was pissed last week. Still pissed about it because it's continuing. I was hoping everything would kind of just blow over after the Denver game, especially because they've won. It's continuing and it's concerning. And nobody was a bigger fan than Elijah Moore than me after his rookie season. I was happy when they drafted him. You know, our draft season guys were all big Elijah fans that he's, he's going to be a good pro. He showed a lot of potential. We obviously saw him up close in their, in uh, the first open practice, you know, last, last summer, you had the, the viral video of him, which is the reason for my Twitter fame. Right there. I owe it all to Um, Elijah. But I'm going to call it how it is, man. It's like, it's really concerning. 
this guy didn't play all of last year. He got hurt, which isn't all his fault, but it's that's part of availability is an important part of playing football. And, you know, he missed time and he was putting up stats and he looked good. The team was losing. They've lost with you. They're winning without you. What does that tell you? You're not as valuable as you think you are. Mm-hmm. And I get it. It's frustrating. It's a business. I know you want to put up stats. I know you want to get paid. You're in gear two, man. You haven't even had a thousand yard season. It's not like last year at a thousand yard season and all of a sudden you're not getting the ball. So you have to have perspective. Nobody on this team, the 53 man roster is above the team. It's a team game. It's 11 guys in the field who have to work together to achieve a common goal, which is winning a football game, dominating, you know, that they're fast of the ball, offense, defense, special teams. And you don't seem to care about that. You seem to care about Elijah, me, which is not what a team game is. And if his aspirations, which to be honest with you, he has every right. If he just wants to get paid, he wants to put up numbers, but if he wants to play on a six eleven team and just be the, you know, be the star, that's his prerogative and that's fine. I don't want guys on this football team that are like that. I want guys who want to win and don't care about the statistics because that's what wins championships. And that mentality is unacceptable. And I agree with you. I think Salah is going to be able to handle it, but I can't say that Salah, if you gave him truth serum today is being like, Oh yeah, it's all going to be fine. No, it's not fine. And he better buy in and because they need, now they need him because Corey Davis is probably going to be week to week with an MCL spray. And we don't know what's going to happen with him, but it's now or never prove yourself. If you, if you think you, you know, you deserve all these touches, I want to see you show it on the field. Yeah. And it's, it's just frustrating because it's somebody that I really liked it. Now I'm, I have a really sour taste in my mouth over him and the best way he could, you know, get that taste out, perform, be it, be a team guy, buy in. It's kind of like with a, like LeBron with like Kevin Love a couple of years back. He's like, if, if you don't want to get in, get out. I mm-hmm. feel that way about him. And it's like, and I like that the locker room is not allowing him to, to feel like he can get away with this. Notice there's two people, two people of substance that have backed Elijah Moore. AJ Brown, who alienated himself from a fan base. I don't and know Brandon if it's with the team. And Vrabel was like, see you later. Yeah. And Brandon Marshall, who was a good jet for one year. And then obviously. And then it blew, the up. It blew up. And notice a lot of locker rooms. There's not necessarily a guy that a lot of people liked around the league. Like some guys did, some guys didn't, but he never got that big contract because of this behavior. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you should be listening to those two guys, to be honest with you. I think yeah. you should listen to people, especially guys like, uh, you know, Rex Ryan, guys like, um, I can't really think of specifically, I think Tiki Barber also said the same thing. No one's above the team. Get over yourself and play football. That's it. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think uh, that was well said. I get the frustration of him wanting touches. I understand that. I think anybody can understand that. What I think he fails to realize is that thinking fundamentally that he's the victim here is so far off. You have no leg to stand on with that. You're not a victim. Um, There's no ill will against you. It's part of a, 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 a game plan where the Jets are winning and they're playing sound football and running the ball. And if you get targets, great. But if not, you're winning. And you're five and two. The Jets haven't been five and two in seven years. So again, like the fan, be happy about it. But I don't know. That's I think that's enough on Elijah. Obviously, I think um, it's sad because, man, maybe the, maybe the curse of the Jets uh, second round receivers just lives on. Maybe that's what we really can't escape. I don't know. But um, I do still think that he can uh, obviously have a bright future here. And I hope 
uh, that he does. And I hope that, that he can put this behind him and that the Jets can put this behind them. And that, you know, who knows, maybe we see him go for five for 80 and a touchdown this weekend. And then all is, all is resolved and, and all is good. And Jets he'll be good. At, he'll be much better in my book. If he yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. And I, listen, I, I, the other part of this too, is I do think there's ways for Mike LaFleur to get him involved earlier and often, I think. And that's got to be a little bit of salt in the wound for uh, for Elijah. When he sees Braxton Berrios getting these reverses and and screen passes and getting touchdowns, it's got to be like, hey, I can do that too. I get that. But at the same time, Mike LaFleur can can draw something up for him and get him involved early and often. Like I said in the in the onset here, I think that benefit is is uh, – it's purposeful in both ways. It gets, it gets Elijah involved. It gets Zach going a little bit and that could be obviously good for the both of them. For sure. And the one thing about it is Zach has a comfort level with Braxton and I get that's why they get him involved a lot because yeah. they, they're good friends, which maybe that rubs Elijah the wrong way for whatever reason. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not speculating or anything. Yeah. It just could be something. And he's comfortable. I mean, he was comfortable with Corey and that's why I think once Corey went down, you know, the passing game really struggled and, yep. and you kind of expect that when the security blankets aren't there. Um, but I agree with you. I think that they do need manufacture touches, whether it's a jump pass, you know, those like quick ones yep. or an end around because Elijah can do those things. And I, I get it. And I, I want to, I, you know, I, I kind of ripped him a little bit for a few minutes, but I do want to say he deserves the ball more and they need yeah. to give him the ball more. He's talented. I'm not questioning the talent, not questioning the drive. It's just, what's your motive? It's just yeah. about money and, and being a good fantasy player. Like, that you're ain't it. You're, yeah, yeah, that ain't it. You're playing football for the wrong reasons because most of those guys in the locker room are not going to tolerate that. And it seems like that because there's some cryptic stuff with like Sauce and I think with um with Mosley as well. And it's just, you know, they're not they're not taking that. They're not allowing this to you know ruin them. They won the game without like just shows to show you, like you you're not above anybody yet there. Mm-hmm. So uh I don't want to keep going on this because it's been like a week old news and I posted yep. I posted a video with my initial thoughts that night so it's it is what it is let's hope that like you said it, they can get behind this and Elijah can move forward and you know the future is bright and I I do think he has a good future in the NFL hopefully it's with the Jets and if it's not so be it that's that's the league guys don't guys aren't loyal and I understand that but you know right now he's under contract and yeah. if he's not abiding by his contract they don't have to pay him they can yep. do contract detrimentals of the team. So let's uh let's move away from that. It's kind of a negative, but also a positive because it's the it's the issue has been addressed. Obviously, Brees Hall going down, like you mentioned at the top of the show, was you know gut punching. Everyone's sick because this is like one of the most fun players to you know come out of the draft for the Jets in so long. Like probably the most talented running back they've had since Curtis Martin, which is like high praise because. Mm-hmm. Curtis is one of the what five best running backs of all time statistically, like from a yards perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that you know Brees was definitely going to do that, but you know the talent and potential was there. I mean that sixty-two yard run, I was like screaming and like Electric. running around. Electric, go Brees Lightning, go Brees Lightning. <laughs> Opportunities, man. Um, but I want to say this, and you know we're going to unpack this a little bit. Kudos to Joe Douglas. I've been critical of him. I've been I've given him praise when he deserves it. He deserves all the gold stars here. The fact that he, not even 24 hours after the confirmation, it was basically like tech, like seven hours later, not even 24 hours after the confirmation of Brees' 20 ACL and meniscus, which sucks because it actually might be a longer recovery for him. He goes out, he's aggressive, saw it, trades for with, I guess it's a, was it a six that could become yeah. a fifth? Yeah. Uh, a conditional pick for James Robinson, who is a thousand-year receiver two years ago as a rookie, as an undrafted player on the worst team in football, meaning 
if you give this guy the ball, he can do things because it's hard to be successful when you're on the worst football team in the league. And, you know, it was buried behind Travis Etienne, which I understand. He's a you know, first-round pick. He is comfortable with their quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. And get him in here because I never thought that they were going to be um, complacent with just Michael Carter because, as we saw last year, and I've been saying this to people who have been saying, like, why not Michael Carter? He's a very good player. I love Michael Carter. I think he's good. You know, he's a leader on the team. The problem with him is I don't think he's capable of handling that bell cow type work. It's just he's not physically able to do that. He's just, he'll get hurt, and he got hurt last year, and I don't want to see that. I want him to continue to be in the role that he's in as the you know Robin to a Batman. And credit Joe Douglas because not only is it obviously addressing a huge hole that they have to fill, he's not going to obviously duplicate what Brees is able to do. He's a starting caliber running back, but it shows that this team is serious. This team is serious about winning football games now and not thinking about picks. And to me, it's showing the urgency. It's showing what we want to see. Meaningful football, which, you know, it seems like they're headed towards. And aggressiveness. Steven, what's, what was your initial reaction when you saw that trade happen? I think you summed it up really well. Honestly, I, uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the first thing, the first thought, obviously, is when – Guys like AVT and Brees Hall go down. It is uh, a swift kick, you know, <laughs> no question. Oh, yeah. Um, they were the two best offensive players on this team, if not and two of the top five players in the team overall, definitely. So losing both those guys was obviously um, – it was a gut punch, to say the least. So I think you said it as well. There is no replacing Brees Hall. Um, you're not going to replace that size, speed – uh, that lethal combination and then combining it with game breaking ability. So there is no replacing Brees Hall, but this is a solid plan B. So now you, you factor in Michael Carter uh, with James Robinson, who's still only 24 has a thousand yard season under his belt. Um, does everything well from blocking to running to pass catching. And then you factor in the reports that we've heard from, you know, the Jaguars beat reporters that he's just a solid locker room guy. That's loved by everybody. I mean, this was, a win all the way around. So I wholeheartedly agree with you and everything you said. Kudos to uh, Joe Douglas for turning around and doing this quickly. I think, you know, you mentioned truth serum about Robert Sala uh, with the Elijah Moore situation. If we were to say the same thing about Joe Douglas, I think before the season, he wasn't planning on being five and two in late October, right? He's, he would have probably said exactly what we said. Listen, if we get to three and four and we're, we're playing decent football and competitive, you would have taken that because that's what – kind of this roster was, was built for, and it's a young team and they're growing and all that stuff. So I like the fact that he's recognizing this as, listen, this is, we're five and two. We're, you know, right now, uh, third, third in the AFC, second, in the AFC East, like let's, you know, let's strike while the iron's hot. This is a real opportunity for us to, to play and uh, possibly win games in January. I mean, that's a, that's a real thing. So I like the message that, uh, that he's sending to the fan base and, and obviously to the team, um that's huge we, for the team you, exactly. you can't lose sight of that they're not that, like giving up they're like next man up yes let's get somebody to help this team right away absolutely and that they're not resting on their laurels and saying that okay ty johnson can fill that gap because he can't listen no. I, I ty, ty johnson's a fine player and my qualms with him getting playing time early in the season were because it was taking playing time from Brees hall or michael carter that being said, I don't want him getting meaningful carries when a guy like James Robinson is available to go get. So now you got the one-two punch of Michael Carter and James Robinson, which is not as good as Brees Hall and Michael no. Carter, but no. it is a solid plan B. Um, I love the move all around. I think it was a, a, a fantastic job by Joe Douglas giving up. And essentially, what, what do we say? Flipping Blake Cashman for James Robinson. 
<laughs> so, I mean, that in itself is is a masterclass by Joe Douglas yet again. So kudos to him. Um, it sucks losing Breeze, but like I said, this is a, a very, very good uh, plan B. And hopefully they can just continue uh, running the ball as they have for the first seven weeks. And the nice thing about it is, even like you know, you're expecting that Brace is probably going to be on the PUP list to start camp next year, so he could miss a couple games. You, totally. The fact, I mean, I'm, I'm just being a realist here, <laughs> just based on the recovery timeline, especially because it's two injuries. It's not just an ACL; it's meniscus as well, which will delay the surgery a little bit. Um, but he uh, Robinson mm-hmm. is a restricted free agent because he was undrafted. It's a restricted free agent, so the Jets can match offers for him. I do think that they have, like you know, especially if he plays well, which I do expect him to be a productive player on this offense. They could bring him back, and it could be a three-headed monster, which is like literally like porn for Michael Floor. He wants to have, a, a, you know, horses of backs to be using across the board, and it allows them to take it easy with Brees, get ease him back in, and you still you have a guy that you know can carry, you know, the bulk of the bell cow role, and still have MC being the scat back who is helpful on third down, who is, you know, good in doses and not have to rely on him to be, you know, the guy. So it's, it's a, it's a home run. It's, it really is like, it's a better trade than what the Niners did for McCaffrey. McCaffrey's a better player, but you're giving up a lot of assets for a guy who number one has been injury prone. Number two is, you know, it's a running back. I know he's kind of like a running back receiver because you can use him in so many ways. So he, it makes sense, but how could you tell me that it's not a, a better value deal for what you're doing? Because they're both running run heavy teams and the Jets gave up a fraction of what the Niners gave up. And it's not like to say James Robinson's better, but you know, he could be a thousand year back. He's proven it. So yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really good stuff. And I, I was super excited because I didn't think it would happen so quickly. I actually thought they would ride this week out as is to see how it looks, which to be honest with you, I don't necessarily but I can understand the logic to being like, if Michael Carter shows he can do it, they're going to do, they're going to roll, roll with it. And then it, obviously if it's not working out the way that they're hoping and they feel like the run game is limited, then go out and get somebody before the deadline next week, who I thought Kareem Hunt was a realistic possibility. Dernish Johnson also from Cleveland or Cam Akers. I, I, I love it. It just, yeah. it just gets you excited because this team is like, no, we're not going to let this hurt us. We're going to let, we're going to continue that next man up and down. Yeah. So, yeah. and they're pushing their chips to the middle. It's a, yes. it's a great message by Joe Douglas. I, I love it. Capitalize on it. Strike while you can. Listen, I can, I'm not saying the jets will uh, <laughs> go on to be in the Super Bowl. I'm not, no, so nobody, no take it like that. but I equate it back to like, I'm a Mets fan. I've said that before. I'm not a diehard Mets fan, but I'm a Mets fan. And when they're good, I'm obviously a bigger Mets fan, but 2015, the Mets make the World Series and they end up losing to Kansas City, but they have this dynamic pitching rotation, right? You got DeGrom and 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 uh, Thor and Matt Harvey, and you're like, listen, there's no way that they're going to make it back. Like, there's no way they're not going to make it Nothing's back, Nothing's right? guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. So the point is, is that you strike while the iron's hot. You always have to. So if you get a chance... Nothing's next year, the injury, you could be riddled with them, like all that stuff. So nothing's guaranteed. You strike when you can. Um, I'll say the same thing about the Jets in 2015. Like, was that the best team? No, but look who ended up winning it. It was a Denver team that really had nothing on offense and a really good defense. So that that's why that 2015 Jets, you know, week 17 loss stings so bad is because you think that they – we feel like we could have made the run that year if, you know, things continued and Fitzpatrick stayed hot and all that stuff. That's what is that extra sting. So I just like the fact that 
They're going for it right now. They're not sitting there saying, well, you know, we're five and two, but we thought we'd probably be three and four, four and three. Like, not as good. No, you're good. You're a good team. You can compete with anybody right now. Keep it going. Make a move that uh, that at least fills the shoes somewhat of Brees Hall. The Jets are no longer in the business of hoarding picks anymore. The, oh. the future, the future is now. You need to show. Joe Douglas has a terrible record as general manager because the last two years have been a building and accumulating assets to build a team. That team is this team. Yes, they're going to continue to obviously tinker and improve where they see fit, which they just did. So. Yeah. It's, you know, it. who cares about that fifth round pick anymore? I don't care if the team is winning. That means you've got to be aggressive and you have to do things and they're winning. So they're being aggressive and I love every second of it. All right. This is uh, the <laughs> most important and most memorable Jets Patriots week that we could pro- both probably think about since um, that week, the week 16 game against New England um, in 2015, which we just mm-hmm. talked about. Obviously, the one earlier that season as well was pretty meaningful because, you know, the Jets were off to a pretty solid start and they went to New England. It was a really good game. And obviously, they lost. They felt like they kind of got posed with, with some calls in that game. But Brandon Marshall had a crucial drop in that game. I yeah. Remember. Yeah. That was, that was oh. his Achilles heel. Yeah. Um, but man, I have not been this fired up for a Jets Patriots game. I actually expected. <laughs> To wax the Bears last <laughs> night on Monday Night Football, boy was I wrong. But it's it, it doesn't need, I, it doesn't need to be said what this game means to this team. And if they need any more motivation, which I don't think they do, because they're a team that feels disrespected by you know the national media, just show them that box score. Just put those highlights on of that game that was in Foxborough last year, the last time that these teams met when they were running up the scores, putting up fifty points on Robert Sala's defense. This team is going to be so amped up because a lot of these guys were here last year. Not all of them, but a lot of them, a lot of the key pieces. And to me, like, I want to inflict every amount of pain on that team. I don't want anything bad to happen to them, but I just want everything. Do not miss any tackles. Do not let them let up ever. This game is so important, and I'm like obviously considering going because I feel like it's going to be a madhouse in MetLife. I actually think there are going to be nearly as many Patriot fans as there usually is because nope. Jeff fans are not going to allow that to happen on the secondary market. What are your thoughts, man? I'm so excited for this game. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I feel as good going into New England game, a New England game, as I have probably ever maybe since the uh late 90s like which is like i'm like cautiously like nervous about it at the same time yeah i don't i don't like it it's a it's a surreal feeling i have no idea um why i'm feeling this way but listen i mean watching that that patriots game last night it was really the first time i actually got to watch them and i think probably like most jets fans you kind of have that uh secret slash internal panic when Bailey Zappi comes in and, and leads. Him to <laughs> Holy shit. Did they really just find another guy? Like, is this gonna, is this gonna really happen? But then, you know, the game keeps going and the bears of all teams just run the rock on them and just murder them uh, to the in their building 14 in Foxborough, which is just insane. So seeing the bears rush for over 200 yards, um, makes me feel a lot better about this game. And, and, you know, you and I were talking before the show. I mean, Bill Belichick will always scare me. Um, He's just, he's that good of a coach 
with or without Brady, still a good coach. We can have that argument another time. But no, he is. He still he true. still scares me. Um, but honestly, man, no one on that Patriots roster really scares me that much. Judon does a little bit, but even that, like, he's the one guy. Um, but I still feel confident, and it goes back to the conversation we had earlier in the show we had last week, where I just feel like the Jets have the players right now, and it's honestly knowing that the Bears can run for over two hundred that really tees up nicely for this Jets offense. Um, I think that it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be a madhouse. MetLife is going to be rocking. This is going to be like uh home opener 2009 type. And like, also I that just, game against the Bengals winning your this, game when they won 30 out nothing like that level. This, this is going to be, I mean, the Jets need this game. There's every piece of bulletin board material you could, you could ask for. The, the Patriots are reeling, whether it's Mac or Bailey Zappi, neither of them scare me. Uh, the receivers don't scare me. Like the Jets need this one. If they're if they are a real team, you come out and you win this game and you stomp on the Patriots' throats and you put the nail in Bill Belichick's coffin. I mean, don't let them come in here and push us around. You need to you need to win this game. Win this game convincingly. I've I've said it a million times on this show already since the Jets have been on this win streak. I can't complain about any win, but man, they need this one. They need to be a double digit win. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I feel like every Jets fan feels this way because this team has tormented us for years and years. This coach has just made our lives miserable. He doesn't respect us as a franchise. It's time. It's literally time to put all that to bed. It is. I, I, can't, I can't say it enough. All I want to do is just inflict so much pain on that franchise. They have made me miserable two Sundays a year for the last – 15 to 20 years, depending on like if you want to include uh, the Brady, all the Brady years and everything like that when he was out. But man, it's, I, I look at it, it's just, it, to me, it's simple. This is what it is. Belichick obviously is the one thing that scares you because he's the greatest coach ever. This is how you beat the Patriots. I, and it's, you obviously run the ball like, they, like the Bears did, but to stop them on offense, it's two things. Stop the run because they can run the ball, which the Bears did a great job of, and don't get beat over the middle. Don't let Hunter Henry beat you. Don't let John Smith beat you. Don't let any of their slot receivers beat you in the middle of the field, which has been a little bit of an issue over the Jets' past defense. Devontae Parker, not getting separation on Sauce Gardner. Um, Jacoby Myers, going to have a problem with um, DJ Reed. And whoever they're going to put in the slots, not going to have an easy job against Michael Carter II. It's that simple. You do that, you're winning this game. The Jets have more talent. They have a better defense. And they have a better offense, even if the quarterback has been limited. And also for Zach Wilson, this is the game to show up, man. If you're not going to show up in this game and you're not going to be amped up, this team embarrassed you in your home debut last year. Remember those four interceptions? Remember them tweeting Mr. INT? I think it was for JC Jackson or whoever it was. Just remember all of that when you're going into the huddle on Sunday and coming out of that tunnel. I don't know what else to say. That's all you need to remember. This team embarrassed you guys twice. Beat them, and you're a real football team. You lose this game, people are going to start doubting you because of how the Patriots have looked. And when you think about it, who have the Patriots beat? They beat the Lions, stink. They beat the Steelers, stink. But honestly, have been playing better than actually people think. And then they beat uh, Cleveland, also stinks, who uh, I think when the Jets played them, they didn't stink as much as they do now. So they haven't beaten anybody. So if you're going to go down the road of the Jets played nobody, they beat nobody, I disagree. They went to Green Bay and they shut down Aaron Rodgers. I don't care, you know, if they're not as good as they've been. That is one of the hardest places to play in the NFL. Same thing with Pittsburgh, even if it was Kenny Pickett and Mitch. I mean, the Steelers should have beat the Dolphins. They had a chance. They dropped a lot of interceptions. Multiple and then Kenny chances. Pitt, multiple chances. Yeah. 
Tua was like okay. I know it was his first game back and he was okay, but they had chances to win that game. They they threw it away. So I know the Dolphins fans say, "Oh, those games don't count." Bullshit. They count. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I think uh, I think this game uh, comes down to a couple things. I think if the Jets can uh, sustain a running game minus Brees Hall with the addition of James Robinson, obviously, yeah, I think agreed. That's a big thing. I also think it will come down to, to Zach Wilson and how this makeshift, slash, you know, whatever offensive line holds up against Belichick and what he's going to dial up. Cause there's no question. He's going to throw some blitzes at Zach and hope to force him into some mistakes. So if Zach and that offensive line can at least handle it and keep their heads above water, there's no question in my mind that uh, the Jets should win this game. But if Zach gets into trouble and tries to escape and make some dumb boneheaded turnovers that lead to points, then the Jets are going to be, uh, they're going to be in hot water and I don't feel as confident, but I do feel like just really, I think the Jets have the players to do this. I they think have the Jets the are a better roster than New England. Patriot fans players. will tell you the same thing. They and, know. and and really, so if the Jets don't beat themselves, I think there's no question in my mind that the Jets defense can if they can stop Aaron Rodgers, you can stop Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones in your own building. There's no question about that. So if if we get in a dog fight, so be it. If it's an ugly game, I'll take it. Just get out with a W. But I do think – I think this is a game that the Jets make a statement. And I, I honestly will go into predictions. I think they get the, the ground game going. I think Zach has a bounce-back game. I think he has a better game. He's not going to light the world on fire, but he throws for 200-plus. He gets a touchdown. Uh, I think the Jets continue with this running game, and they continue getting uh, Michael Carter and James Robinson going. I think, honestly, I think the Jets handily win this. I think it's going to be something like 28-13. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 feeling similar. I hate that I'm feeling this confident because every time I felt confident going to a Patriot game where I feel like this is the time we're probably gonna flip it, it's different now. They don't have Tom Brady walking out walking out of that huddle. They have Bill Belichick. They don't have the horses like they used to. It's just not the same team. They also don't have their center. If you literally put Quentin Williams, he's going to eat that guy's lunch. Look at what Quentin Williams did to the Packers. He's gonna do it to a backup center. And if he doesn't, it's a huge problem. But yeah, I agree with you, man. I this, this team does not need the motivation. They know what this game means. They know this crowd is going to be an advantage. This crowd is going to force penalties in this Patriots team. They are going to be loud. I don't think people are going to sit the whole game. I, I don't. It's going to be like a, like a college-like atmosphere. You know, going to like Michigan or Ohio State where everyone's standing. It's loud. It's going to be crazy. And the Jets are not going to disappoint their fans. It's, it's been enough disappointment over the last you know, decade. It's time. I think the Jets are going to win 31-10. I really do. I do like it. I, I, I mean, listen, Zappy could end up having a good game, but what, why do you I, think that? I, I just yeah. think the Jets are ready to prove that they're a real team. And this, is the, this is the litmus test. I do too. I, I, I just, I, I hate that I feel as confident, but like, why shouldn't we? They won four in a row, four in a row, a lot on the road. This is at home. This is going to be the loudest building is going to be all year. Mm-hmm. They're winning this game. I, I, I just, if they lose this game, it's going to be the biggest kick. And you know what? And it's just like, I just, I can't see it. Like, uh, I, <laughs> I'm like mushiest. I don't care. But like, it's just, I, I kept saying I'm cautiously optimistic to pick them lately. But like, it's, this is, this is the game. It's, it's, 
it's the aura of the Patriots that we're scared of. It's it's the 100%. history. And that's, that's all it is. I mean, and I'm nervous about it too. And that's, I'm picking that. Right. But I'm, there's, there's a, obviously a big part of me that's nervous about that, but I gotta, you look back on what they've done so far. So just look no further than, you know, uh, the two games before Denver. I mean, they shut down Aaron Rodgers in his own building. And then even though it was, was Skylar Thompson, is that the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. right? They still, like, they handled the likes of Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, and Raheem Moster. Like, combine those two together, man. That's, they, like, you are you can handle Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. You can handle Jacoby Myers and uh, and um, Devontae Parker. Like, you can handle Jonu Smith and, and Hayden Hurst. This isn't, like, the 2007 Patriots. Handle your business. They can do it. They can absolutely do it. I believe. It. They have to win. Handle it here, and I think I, I really think they're going to. I think we're going to be. Maybe they won't win as much as I'm saying, but I, they're winning this. Game. I yeah, I think they're winning this game too, and I, I think we're going to celebrate. I think like Zach. I think now. Zach is going to have a good game. I think yeah. he's finally going to get everyone to get off his. Let's back get it, man! All black gonna... unis, all oh. stealth black helmets. Like, let's get it. Well, it's going to be. It's going to be fun. It's going to be electric on Sunday. I can't wait. <laughs> I think Zach's going to throw for over two hundred, like two forty, two touchdowns, and I'll have like a fumble or something. I think he's going to. I think Bill will get him. He'll he'll get one of those mm-hmm. out of him. I think that that's not like an unreasonable thing to think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, man, I'm just I'm hyped. It's and I just want everyone to stop complaining, man. That's it. Let's let's enjoy this ride. Let's yeah. enjoy it. We got Buffalo next week too. That's going to be really hard. I I don't feel good about that one. But let's one game at a time. That's it, man. That's Play the it. team in front of you. Play the team in front of you. But um. Any closing thoughts, man? I, I, I'm, I'm hyped. I am hyped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because like the goalposts move as the season goes on. So like we, and you think about it, and you, you bring it back, and you're like, well, listen, we're five and two. Even if they lose this week, they're, they're five and three. We would have signed up for five and three, no matter how you got there, right? So you gotta remind yourself of that. But man, being five and two, knowing what the Patriots look like right now, like we gotta win this game. So you gotta get the six and two, <laughs> especially knowing that the Bills are uh, are coming to town next week. But um, honestly, no, I am. Uh, it's been, it's been fun thus far this is everything we could have asked for and then some um obviously uh the injury bug uh hitting us really sucks especially to the two guys that it got but we'll keep pressing on I think the the one biggest takeaway is is how much uh, my confidence in the coaching staff has grown uh even really, Ulrich who I didn't like but yeah he's getting I, better I, week over I, week I feel like they are um turning the corner into becoming a well-coached team which is something that we haven't had really in a long time. So um, I just, uh, I feel good overall. It's been a really fun season, man. I, I've said for a long time in the show that I just want reasons to jump up out of my chair and get excited. And they've given me that uh, in, 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 in volume this year. So I love it, man. Let's just keep riding it. And uh, hopefully we're celebrating on Sunday afternoon at like four 30. Oh man, that'd be the best feeling in the world. But uh, <laughs> I agree with you, man. They're, they're just, it's been fun so far. And let's just keep enjoying the ride. Um, oh yeah. Again, everybody, we appreciate you guys. It's It's been awesome. The growth of the show every single week continues to go upwards, and we can't thank everybody enough for either watching, listening, however you consume, whether it's Apple, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Megaphone. It, it's, it's, it's really much appreciated, um, so continue to do so. We, we would love you know any reviews of the show on Apple or Spotify, five-star reviews. Really appreciate that. And if you are not subscribed, Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash Turn the Jets TV. Um, for the audio version, Apple and Spotify, just search Turn on the Jets Live and you'll find it there. Um, last but not least, make sure that you are, if you're not already, uh, a Patreon member for, um, for Badlands, where you'll see written content for Stephen and I, which is actually free and not behind the, the paywall, but 
all the premium stuff from Joe and Connor. It's amazing premium Jets content, especially with a winning team, which is like foreign for Fat Lads content. Um, and then last, just make sure to uh, subscribe to the Turner Jets pod with uh, Will Parkinson and then draft seasons. You get your drafts fixed, even though we're finally not having to think about picking in the top 10, but the guys are always really passionate, enthusiastic about their players. Um, but again, thank you guys so much. And we will talk to you guys next week.